Welcome back to another episode of Alarm Clock Ministries. My name is Aaron. If you haven't watched my first episode already, I highly recommend it as it will kind of fill in some of the gaps of things that I'm talking about here. It laid a basis for the argument I'll be making today. Uh, as I stated previously in my last episode, this channel's purpose is to challenge people to think for themselves and to search matters out. Uh, today I'll be going over dietary matters of the law and try to help understand uh, that these things were not done away with. So a little background into why I researched this topic. When I was little, my grandpa had attended a family event of some sort at my mother's house. And he wouldn't eat the Chinese food we had delivered, which was pork lo mein and shrimp fried rice. Both contained meats that at the time I had no idea were biblically unclean, as I hadn't learned that or cared to look into biblical matters yet. I was practically offended grandpa wouldn't eat, and would more than likely leave early uh, due to that fact. So I inquired why. He responded, because they are specifically commanded not to be eaten biblically. I didn't understand. I had never heard such things at church, and my grandfather had been painted as a biblical nut. So I glazed over it. Many years later, in college, I had come to the realization that Jews and Muslims have the same biblical God as Christians, which is what I was raised as. I was shooting a senior film project, and my friend at the time, a Saudi national, was participating. The breakfast being served that morning was primarily pork-based, so I inquired as to whether he needed a special dish prepared for him. And it hit me. Maybe I should look into this. So I began researching, uh, finding in both Deuteronomy 14, verse 8, and Leviticus 11, verse 17, the pig is also unclean. Although it has a divided hoof, it does not chew the cud. You are not to eat their meat or touch their carcasses, which is right smack in the middle of the dietary rules, marking shrimp, lobster, and a few other animals as unclean as well. Okay, so I found where it said eating pork and a few other animals is biblically commanded as unclean. Now what about the argument that the New Test did away with it, or Christian teachings rebuttal for why it has mysteriously become acceptable? Let me remind you first that in our last episode, we covered that in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Yeshua states that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill, but also another extremely fitting example that I made without reference last time. I will reference this time as it is relevant. This specific reference is where Yeshua was accosted by the Pharisees for casting out demons, and he retorted that a house divided shall not stand, which is exactly what nullifying the law would mean with Yeshua being the Son of God and all. The specific reference that I was making is Mark chapter 3, verse 22 through 26. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Yeshua called them over to him and began to speak, to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. So conversely, if Yeshua, as the Son of God, nullified the commandments of his Father, would it not be a house divided? If he were to change any of the rules, regulations, or commandments that his father set out, how would the house 
not be divided. If God says one thing, and then something Yeshua did or said has nullified his father's ordinances, which Yeshua specifically stated he came not to do, how would it not be a house divided? An argument for pork being allowed is usually made with the verse Mark chapter 7, verse 18 through 19, which states, And Yeshua said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? This is where people like to argue that Yeshua made all meats clean. This simply is not so. If you look at the verses in context, you will see at the beginning of the chapter, Yeshua's disciples were being accosted by the Pharisees for eating with unwashed hands, which is of the traditions of the elders, not commandments. And this is what he was declaring as wrong. He was not declaring all animals clean and acceptable to eat. Another argument is made with 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, which states, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. The problem is that in the current setting in which this statement is being made, the unclean animals are already abstained from and are not even considered a food. Nowhere in this statement are unclean animals being declared clean nor made permissible. Furthermore, the argument is made in verse 5 that all foods are cleansed in prayer, but as we stated a second ago, unclean animals are not considered food. In Acts chapter 21, verse 25, Paul states, But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. Pork has been used as a meat sacrificed to idols and pagan holidays for quite some time now, and was used back then, which I will cover in depth in the future, God willing. Another occurrence where an argument is made is in Acts chapter 10. So I'm going to cover this one in depth so that it is made clear what is being said here, as this is the one that has been used the most as an argument, and it's pretty straightforward as to why it's not a good argument. Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid, and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, and call for one Simeon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with the one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtst to do. And then the angel which spoke unto Cornelius was departed. He called two of his household servants, and a devout soldier of them, that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent to Joppa. On the morrow, as they went on their journey, and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up onto the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry, and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. 
and saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending upon him, as it had been made, a great sheet knit at the four corners, and let down to the earth, wherein all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now Peter doubted in himself what this vision, which he had seen, should mean. Behold, the men that were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and stood before the gate and called, and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men, uh, which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. What is the cause wherefore you have come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house, and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in, and lodged them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So I hope you can see, without me telling you, that in this passage, which is approximately 30 years after Yeshua ascended to heaven, Peter claimed that he had never eaten anything unclean, and that the part of the voice spoke, do not call impure that which God has made clean, is not a proclamation that unclean meat is permissible, but that it was a vision to make Peter interact with Cornelius as the Gentiles, or the Greeks, whom were referred to unclean at the time. It was so bad that most people wouldn't even sit down to eat with any of the Greeks or the Gentiles, quote-unquote. Finally, something overlooked by a lot of people is the end times prophecy in the book of Isaiah the prophet in regards to unclean meats. Now this for me is huge as it refers to the time of the end, which means it's still applicable today in chapter 66, verses 15 through 18, which states, For look, the Lord comes with fire, his chariots come like a windstorm, to reveal his raging anger his battle cry, and his flaming arrows. For the Lord judges all humanity with fire and with his sword. The Lord will kill many. As for those who consecrate and ritually purify themselves so that they can follow their leader and worship in the sacred orchards, those who eat the flesh of pigs and other disgusting creatures like mice, they will all be destroyed together, says the Lord. I hate their deeds and thoughts, so I am coming to gather all the nations and ethnic groups. They will come and witness my splendor. Now if in the end times it is still abominable, why would it have ever been okay? The law in its entirety is still applicable as it is our God's commandments to us. It is what our Father in heaven requires of his children. I see it as simple as that. If we disobey, we are punished. If we do good, we will be rewarded. So in conclusion to the pork argument, I should have put to rest many other misconceptions in regards to the law, and if not, feel free to submit questions on the Facebook group for Alarm Clock Ministries. If you want to refute my argument, feel free. As I have stated, the goal here is to get you to think for yourself. 
So I'm going to leave you with just one more verse. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. What doth it profit, my brethren? Uh, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou dost well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by his works when he had offered his son Isaac upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that by works a man is justified, and not only by faith. Likewise also was not Rehab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. I would also like to briefly note here that um, Isaac, Abraham's son, was saved by a um, goat or a sheep at the top of the mount where his son was to be sacrificed. And that's kind of like a foreshadowing of how Yeshua saved us with his sacrifice. I hope this uh, helps somebody or gives somebody some extra understanding. I look forward to seeing you guys next time.